Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts today, Ray. And I'm your other host, Chris. And this episode of Left for Dread is a special crossover episode. Um, we have uh, with us today the esteemed monster hunting monster killing team from the iron silver and salt podcast and we just recorded uh an episode on their feed uh whenever you have a chance hop on over to their podcast it's amazing and we are so honored to have them here today uh so iron silver and salt please introduce yourselves hi i'm also chris but rodriguez not samson (laughs) (laughs) hi i'm will other co-host of Iron, Silver, and Salt. Happy to be here. And hi, I'm Adrian, the other other co-host of Iron, Silver, and Salt. No relation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for for those who haven't heard of the show, uh, can you brief, briefly describe what it's all about? So what we do is every other week, uh, we look at a monster from fiction or folklore or wherever. Uh, the audience is encouraged to leave monsters that they like to see us hunt and we talk about what it can do where it's from and then we talk about how to kill it yeah excellent and then so uh this episode um or this crossover uh we watched the thing from another world so we hop on over to their podcast uh we talked about the thing uh the the main monster this giant plant man or the so-called super carrot uh we discussed uh what, what it can do its vulnerabilities how it can kill it uh, and now we're hopping on here uh, to talk about uh, the movie in general, uh, its relation to like the novella or or my my personal favorite horror movie and like John Carpenter's 1982 the thing, which this is which that was a remake of this remake. Um, and I know for some of us this is our first time watching the film. Um, so let's just go around and like, what's your personal history with? this quote-unquote franchise or this group of of interrelated media well sorry go ahead will oh i was just gonna say so this is actually probably my only my second encounter with like the quote-unquote thing media i've seen the 80s movie um way 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 back but I never really, I never, I never really saw the fifties, the fifties movie, which we're discussing today until now, um, or now being yesterday morning when I was drinking my coffee, um, and um, I never, I never did read the novella, and quite frankly, I didn't know it was such a, it was so like expansive until very, very recently. Yeah, and my familiarity, I have a similar familiarity, familiar alert. Connection to the uh, <laughs> <laughs> to the um, franchise because yeah, I'm a big fan of the '80s movie, The Thing. I had no idea it was based on a on another property or a novella, let alone the actual um, uh, '50s movie. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, just I know it's a little jarring to see the contrast between the the '80s thing and the '50s thing. Um, but I can see that they come from similar sources, but just the interpretation is just wildly different, but really interesting interpretations though. So interested to dig into it. 
yeah, and as for me, I've consumed most media that the that this quote unquote franchise has produced. Uh, I've read the novella. I've seen the '50s version twice now, uh, the '80s version, and the prequel to the '80s version that came out in the 2000s. So, haven't played any of the video games though. Part of me was hoping you would you were gonna stop at I've consumed most media. <laughs> I've consumed like media. Like the thing, I consume media and make it part of me. And you My take it God. into yourself and make you strong. <laughs> well, that would work. Dude, I just had a random thought. Like, is this thing have any connection to the actual swamp thing? Like Uh like uh... swamp thing from DC Comics or like the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Away? Um, that's a really good question. Because it's I a vegetable plant monster that can regenerate its limbs. and I, I consider it more of like some distant relation of like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. Well, if you saw the end credits scene after the end, as you see the hand sticking out of the Black Lagoon, um, it's all part of the TCU, the uh, Thing Cinematic Universe. <laughs> I think it's called the uh, the Universal Dark Universe now. <laughs> oh, uh, I see. Yeah, we're getting that new Invisible Man movie coming up. Wait, That's so they are they actually rebooting the Dark Universe, or they're trying to like their second try? Because like, I, I think it was like, what's it called? The first one in that so-called Dark Universe uh, universe was um. Dracula, Dracula Untold or Dracula something something, and I, I think that was that was the one with Tom Cruise, right? And that no, Tom Cruise was the mummy. So originally they tried to do with Dracula Untold, and that was a massive flop. So then yeah, they we're not going to talk about that movie. Yeah, then they tried to do uh, Tom the Tom Cruise mummy movie, and they turned Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, who was played by um oh god who Aaron Eckhart. No, 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 no. He was no, in that Frankenstein Cr- movie. No, you mean yeah, it was in- Russell Crowe. It was yeah. Russell Crowe, yeah. Yeah, Aaron, Ar- Aaron Eckhart was in a Frankenstein movie. Yeah, he was in a movie called I, Frankenstein. Yes, uh, and I did not see it because I thought it was going to be a big piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, same, same. But speaking but, of The Mummy, that's uh, Oedipus Rex's... Uh, that's a movie that he refuses to see. Wow, Oedip- really? Oedipus... I get it. Yeah. I get it. Uh, <laughs> I know this is a major tangent, but I, I was in Fan Expo Vancouver, uh, and Brendan Fraser was there, like doing autographs. <gasps> and stuff. What? Oh really? Wow. Brendan Fraser still Chris, alive? That's you amazing. got back 24 hours ago, and you didn't tell me this. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you shitbag. I'm sorry. Um, and then there's this really cute viral post going around with so- someone cosplayed as um, uh, Eve. Yeah, that's the that's the main character's name, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Brandon Fraser, he he started sh- shouting at the cosplayer. Oh my God, Eve, where you been all these years? And why do you still have the book? Because she has the book of the 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 book of the dead prop, and um and they just had he 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 just got into character and they had this lovely interaction and Aww. the photo went viral. It's like that oh, is this- really sweet. That's amazing. Honestly, she's everything I wanted to be when that movie came out. I just wanted to be a nerdy librarian. Right. Is this is this is this being canon? We're are we gonna do the mummy uh on the podcast now? Cause I, I really love that movie. Even though it's not that scary, I still love it. No, because you're already you're already getting your Nicolas Cage fantasy. Yes. <laughs> I, we don't no. need more. You guys see the color out of space though? No, he I, really wants to. It's on the list. I had, it's I mi- so I good. It. 
it it was it was playing in theaters for a limited time, and I I my schedule just didn't allow it. Well, not just a limited time; it was like in eighty theaters across the entire nation. So yeah, that's, that's like limited run to the extreme. But I can guarantee you, it'll be on Shutter in like three months. Mm-hmm. I I love Nick Cage. Um, uh, anyway, that's not the point. The point is, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Uh, we're reviewing this movie, and uh, actually, Brian, we didn't uh, get to you. You like, what's your familiarity with the thing? My the- only familiarity with the thing, and up until this point, was the 1982 remake. I had never read the book. I had never seen the 1951 movie, but the 1951 movie brought me so much joy because it made me very nostalgic for the older films. It just, it made me want to bring that kind of shameless schlock back to films. Not when we get to a point where we push comedy so far that it becomes a parody of itself or a parody of the genre. I appreciate that, but for something like this, it it was just, it was so good and it was so 50s. And uh, the one thing I kept repeating to myself while I was watching it is, damn, they don't make them like this anymore. Because they really don't. I, I, I agree. Um, so this is my first time watching The Thing from Another World. I mean, I was always, like, again, I'm like a huge junkie when it comes to the 1982 version. Like, I've consumed, like, literally almost everything related to it. From the <laughs> movie, to, like, the comic books, uh, like, the video game, and... Um, uh, all that stuff, um, all the documentaries, um, and I, I was always vaguely aware of the 1951 movie, and then who goes there. Um, I actually, uh, on Kickstarter, I think like at least six months ago, or like sometime in the last year, there was a board game based on the novella, which is separate from the thing board game that was uh that was based on the 1982 version um and i have both which is awesome anyway um but i was just so i was very very excited for this episode because i always had like this general knowledge in the back of my head what it was about but i never really consumed it that's my shocked face <laughs> <laughs> you love the thing what I know. <laughs> what um so for those who are listening and uh, haven't watched the film, that's okay. Um, I'm going to give you a quick recap. So basically there's a, a U.S. Air Force research base in Anchorage, Alaska, and you have a journalist named Ned um, joining up with his fellow Air Force officers uh, looking for a story. Uh, and then a mysterious aircraft or some, like a, a UFO um, crash lands into uh, the ice uh, they send out a search party uh, and discover a flying saucer bearing within the ice. Um, they accidentally destroy it, uh, but with thermite trying to thaw it out. But they still find a, a creature bearing the ice that managed to escape. They bring it back to the research facility where, uh, very, very, <laughs> very, very, very stupidly, <laughs> it, yeah, they're it not thaws so good. out. They're and not then, so good at the science in this movie. <laughs> it's like, no. hey, let's use thermite to unlock the UFO here. Oh, what, what do you mean it blows it up? <laughs> uh, yeah, so not the U.S. Air Force, not the smartest uh, people, but, but because they didn't believe in science. 
there was peons. They, they didn't believe in science hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> if they believed in science hard, the thermite wouldn't have blown up. If they had not sacrificed upon the altar of Lord Darwin and the great god and his son, then maybe they would have survived. They they didn't chant their daily prayers to the scientific or the the pure uh, the, the, the scientific. Praise be to hydrogen, the first of the elements. <laughs> to helium the second and then it goes on and on really praise the prayer. noble gases and yeah. they, they the they most start, noble of gases they 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 start spilling blood into beakers and test tubes into a petri dish hey the sodium goes into the water and just explodes <laughs> very good <laughs> so oh, yes they, my God. the neck bones connected to the <laughs> <laughs> So I'm thinking about it now. This is just like their this their entire punishment, this entire inciting action is because they angered the science gods and they unleashed this super carrot, the the, the thing from another world, and they have to try to survive. I thought it was because they left a heated blanket on top of the ice. They because did. they didn't they didn't realize science and common sense and empirical <laughs> logical reasoning to check the plug to see if it was actually on or not. But Talking seriously for a moment, there was one movie that I kept thinking of when I was watching this, and oh. that was uh, The Shape of Water. Oh, really? Yeah, I love because... that movie so much. So who? So just first question: Who here saw Shape of Water? Me. Yep, not yet. Not yet. I what do you not... mean not yet? I shouldn't talk. I shouldn't yell at people who haven't. I'm seen sorry. Not yet. <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> No, no, so, no, it's not that. I'm thinking because it's been five years and I still haven't seen Mad Max. <laughs> so I'm not one to talk. So for the people who haven't seen it, I won't spoil it, but basically The Shape of Water is the... is a very... Is a, a, it's a fantastic movie. There's a good, very good reason why it won Best Picture. But it was a film that was... Ta basically, it was the creature of the Black Lagoon from the perspective of the creature and the underprivileged who work in the military base where the creature is being contained. So, whereas in this move in the in the shape of water, the hero of the thing from another world is the villain from the shape of water. So I'm not convinced this. I'm not convinced the hero from the thing from another world isn't just the villain anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> but so like it's this big macho strong military agent white guy who goes around and captures the creature from the black lagoon and locks it under underground as like the as people as the main character who is a she was mute, right, Ryan? Yes. And she makes a connection and understands that the creature is more than just a creature. It is its own living being. So, but yeah, it is a fantastic movie. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to have a discussion between just me and Ryan, because that'd be a dick move, but I would recommend seeing it and then going back to watch the thing from the other, from another world. Cause it has a very interesting perspective on it. That could also, that could also be why I didn't find the thing all that threatening because of my experience with watching the shape of water and the understanding that, and maybe it also has to do with the fact that it, that in this particular iteration of the movie, it, it looks mostly humanoid. Um, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't find it that threatening and not that that's a bad thing, but 
the thing that differs between the 1951 film and the 82 film is that the the thing in this one it really doesn't look that bad. It literally, like, we laugh and we kid and we call it a walking vegetable, but that's kind of what it is. It's kind of like a little yeah, they, they call it that dopey the thing. <laughs> I just think it's so, I don't know. I don't think it's cute, but, like, I just, I'm not threatened by it. I'm threatened by the thing from the 82 movie. That thing scares the shit out of me. But the 51 movie, I'm just, I'm not threatened by it. I mean, I think part of that comes from just the fact that horror as a genre has evolved. So something that would have scared somebody way back then we're used to that now we we see scarier things in the real world than the thing from another world in today that's so true it's, it's well for us no go ahead no go go adrian i was gonna say uh because i caught a couple clips of the movie i haven't seen the whole thing but i've seen bits and pieces can we talk about the production values in this movie i thought that for their 50s they're pretty high like they're they literally right? okay. They were throwing buckets of fire on like oh, yeah. a real person. Dude, the gasoline scene. I was impressed yeah. by that. Yeah, that was That's, very good. And like, I hope nobody died, but it looks like, you know, everything they died went for off. science, Adrian. It was a noble <laughs> they died for science. Praise science. <laughs> Long may it rain. So, yeah, um, the, the scientist in this movie was like, was like Robert Oppenheimer crossed with Vincent Price. Yes. <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, the thing had a pretty strong backhand. I saw it, and like, it, there's a reason why the guy was knocked out. Like, it damn. bitch slapped that scientist. They from did. Yeah. <laughs> they bitch slapped him so hard he like flew across the room and hit the wall. Yeah. <laughs> He's a strong boy. Yeah, like he was—he looked like a, a referee that gets hit by anyone inside of a WWE ring. Like he was just <laughs> out. <laughs> and Adrian's clearly very into that. <laughs> yeah, more like iron, silver, and assault. Am I right? Yay! Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm leaving now. All right, catch you guys later. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. I think, uh, like like Ryan was saying, uh, the two interpretations. Uh, I say two. Technically, just three, but. 1982 version was much closer or much more faithful to the original novella, especially the part of it being a shapeshifter. Uh, and while the 1951 special effects were really cool or really great at the time, there, there was they still had some limitations. I know in particular one of the hardest things the production team had uh, difficulty with was trying to design the creature itself. They went through multiple drafts, multiple iterations and tests and mock-ups. And also at the time, the actor playing the thing, uh, James Arness, came in kind of late. Like he came in like two months before actual photography had started. So I did. I think just in general, they didn't have a lot of time to really give the, the time it deserved. So, and I know at the last minute, uh, the director who was so frustrated over through various iterations of the costume, at the end he kind it just kind of felt like. He gave up and threw up his hands. Okay, let's just let, let's make him look like a Frankenstein kind of monster, uh, which and it, it definitely has that look. Uh, and not not to take not that that takes away anything from the 1951 version. Like they, in order to get around that, um, they deliberately uh, set up shots where the creature was clouded in shadow a lot. So you, it still tried to pump up that suspense, especially uh, in the big big action scenes where they get to actual physical combat. Well, I also saw that like there are a lot of shots where the monster was far away. 
Um, rare, rarely do you get a lot of close-ups on the monster, which could have been purposeful. Um, there were a few, but like I didn't see that many where they were just. It was like a a one or an extreme close up or a regular close up. Usually, it's a full body shot or it's like in the distance. I think I think that also sort of adds to the horror of the time, though. So if you think about the 1950s, things that could have been happening at the time, it's what you can't see, it's what you don't know, what you don't mm. understand, and all the fear yeah. surrounding that. So Communism. <laughs> Right. So what do you do when you make No, I'm being serious. What do you do when you make a horror movie? You make the thing that you can't fully see, fully not understand, fully can't comprehend. And that scares people. So I think whether it was intentional or an accident, the fact that the thing was so far away only was only to its benefit. Yeah. Then when you go to the 82 version or even in the novella and that that particular iteration of the thing, it, uh, it assimilates to its surroundings. That to me is like right in the goal, right after the golden age of serial killers, all monsters are human. So it could literally be anyone like your next door neighbor. So I think each one is horrifying in its own way because it's sort of resembling the horror in the pocket of time that it was created in. See, this is why you guys got to live out in the middle of nowhere. You don't have to deal with other people. It's great. <laughs> yes, this is why you make a cabin in the, in the woods. I, I never said it was in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Chris, are we talking about your secret bunker you, in, in D.C. that you keep referring to in, in Iron Sofa and Salt? I'm not in D.C. Why do you keep saying I'm in D.C.? That oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't lie. How dare you? I'm going to take after <laughs> Devin Nunes and sue you for a perfectly innocuous comment. No. And and also, where did you get that information? Who I, told you? <laughs> he needs names. I, 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 I'm sorry. One of our friends in DC sold you out. <laughs> They're fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> More like the Left for Dead podcast, am I right? Adrian, I love that you're bringing all these all these bad jokes like, <laughs> to, into our because into it's our usually you that does it. I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. He did like three in our last episode, <laughs> yeah, and they were all variations of wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Wilson, special guest. Wow. Oh, and Wilson, please come on our podcast. No, Actually, I, don't. I don't a... know if I want that. <laughs> Actually, don't. I don't know Wait, if I want that. Has, has Owen Wilson, Wilson played a Monster Hunter in any in any media before? Because that would be great. Does uh, Wedding Crashers man. count? I don't know. Was he's been in a lot of Wes Anderson movies? Yeah, and those are all seriously horrifying, right? I think wedding crushers might count because I mean, the one monster, one monster you can't defeat is loneliness. Oh, so. that's deep. Oh. Coming this this summer to the CW. <laughs> of course, it's the CW. Yeah. What? Who do you think is? Who do you the think CW. is sponsoring this crossover episode? The CW. You Wait, know. and that's getting by the CW. Getting back. To, yeah, the CW. Getting back to. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, I thought that was the DC Metro. Also, yes. <laughs> well, but huh? I mean, let's DC Metro is always on fire. It doesn't have money to sponsor anything. Or, or no, does that's it. because people keep running the thing over the DC Metro. Let's be fair here. Like, CW hasn't been good for a while. Yes. Agreed. 
They had super. Yeah, their big thing was supernatural. Well, supernatural is still on right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I know. I think they're, they're, they're they on like the last, last season now. Quote unquote, the last season. No, no, no. It is the last season. The well, actors are like, no, no, no we're, we're done. Yeah, I mean, after like it's how many like years? It has been like years. 15 years. Yeah, you cross over with Scooby Doo, yeah, you're running out of ideas. When you, when you, <laughs> I personally think it's when you hit the musical episode mark. You're sort of done. And if you hit that, like, if you're Riverdale and you hit that in season three, you're fucked. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and Sabrina yeah. already did that with season three. There's, like, a bunch of musical stuff there, too. Yeah, but that's not the same as a musical episode. Like, in Buffy, where they sang everything, like, Supernatural has a musical episode. Riverdale has a episode. When you get to the musical episode, you're running out of shit to do. Oh, absolutely. I remember there was an episode where they fall through some kind of weird portal and they end up in like the quote unquote oh, I real remember world seeing where this. instead of playing oh, not Yeah, instead of playing Sam and Dean, they play they 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 they, they are oh, they yeah. end up in the fantastical yes. magical land of Foon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he fell through magical Behind portal the by the King yes! in uh, Chicago, and they were being wow. very tongue in cheek. Like they were explaining, "Oh, and this and this episode will cut to a blur action, uh, and then it will cut the credits." And they actually do that. Like they, someone crashed through a window, and it it blurs, and it cuts to a uh, uh, commercial break. Uh, or they're just commenting how they have to look dark and brody at the same time and they're they're having trouble even though that's their natural reaction to do so mm. well that's what the next iteration of the thing's gonna be because mm. some asshole's wait. gonna remake this movie and they're gonna turn it into a musical wait the, the thing from another I, world brought to you by cw I no mean, wait is this gonna be uh uh adrian's fling from another world it's gonna be like yes, the fling from another the world. Yes. All the i mean this, <laughs> the romance it's a this romance would not movie. be the dumbest musical based on a horror property that i've ever heard of before that would be <laughs> carrie the musical Which ones? that would be what carrie the musical carrie the musical what it what? exists wow and it is terrible it sounds terrible Oh well, I've it must have been. Until he tells me I don't want to. Well, I think it was because the uh, the lead actress uh, wasn't a very good singer. Well, they have auto tune for that. They can just fix that now. Yeah, but some some people say she couldn't carry a tune. Oh. oh. <laughs> 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 it's funny because I expected it. Yeah, but I'm, I, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I know he's going somewhere with this. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be a pun on. Yep, it's a pun on that. <laughs> Damn God damn it! Here we are, and here we are. Adrian, you, you, Adrian. you, you absolute madman! I, I love it. It's very good. <laughs> um, so just to put it back on topic again. Um, uh, so what did what were everyone's initial reactions to this film, especially uh, for, especially for people who haven't seen this before? Besides communism? Yeah, besides communism and. Besides oh, communism. okay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, just looking at the the pieces that I saw, like I could definitely see how because John Carpenter did the eighty two version, right? Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I could definitely see how the the milieu from the fifties version kind of filtered into the atmosphere he tried to create. Like even with the um the 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 opening credits where like it it lights up like the thing, and you can see how they the the eighties version was inspired certain parts of the 80s versions were inspired but then they went in another direction at some point 
when it came to like the monster interpretation. But um, I actually found the 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 parts that I saw like refreshing because it's like I don't know in the day in this day and age where everything's so CGI and we're super oversaturated and kind of desensitized in a sense to like horror and gore. Like this is just like classic horror um, and uh, like literally a thing from another world story. But um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, something I liked, and I think we discussed it earlier. Um, I don't remember if it was earlier on this episode or on Iron, Silver, and Salt, but something I, that resonates with me was that they don't actually show the monster all that much. And like you said before, it was because of various production issues, but I kind of liked the idea that the monster is a very unseen force until like closer to the end, because um, it kind of builds up the suspense in your head of kind of what is this thing it's going around it's killing everybody it doesn't show how he killed those two you know scientists or soldiers or whomever and strung them up exactly yeah you don't even see them like i i really appreciated how they did that yeah the, the only cursory details we know of is that they slit their throats they hung them upside down and they intimated details like oh they're draining their blood uh but i think just uh various factors like shooting it in a lot in darkness not having close-up shots and like or just referencing certain events by word by mouth like it just really plays up like the theater in the mind kind of stuff like it just lets your imagination run wild like how terrifying this thing could be it's what part of made this so successful in my eyes as a fan and what i think people take for granted when they watch horror movies now they i think some people have lost the appreciation for where horror came from to where it is now. Cause I think a lot of the, the films that you see coming out of Hollywood now are very, eh, very psychological, very like in your head horror, or they're very gory. And there's, there's an audience for everything. But sometimes I think that the best thing you can do is just sort of go back to a classic and have that classic horror moment that feeling that you get when you watch something that's i don't want i mean it is old something that's as old as this it's kind of like the same feeling you get when you watch nosferatu from 1921 you just sort of sit there and you're sort of in awe of the things that they accomplished and it makes you appreciate the history and i would hope that it sort of makes you appreciate more where horror sits now because of all of that. Yeah. And something uh, something else about this movie is this movie has aged, I thought, very well. Whereas, Extremely well for something that was made in the 50s. Yeah, whereas other stuff might have, like, kind of racist stuff in it or really nasty undertones on the nature of society and stuff like that. There's nothing really bad it's actually almost kind of feminist in a way like there's a yes there's a female character who not only is capable of drinking the main character out under the table and makes fun of him for it but actually very like very flirtingly ties him up as they like engage in drinks and she's very much in charge of the relationship that they have going like she's not just sort of a shirking violet and the only person to actually faint in the movie is another dude like, the women have absolutely no problem. In fact, everybody's very nonplussed about the monster that is dreadful. 
<laughs> Nobody really yeah. seems terrified. No. <laughs> Except for the soldier who was waving his gun around after he saw the two guys yeah, get strung like, up. Yeah. Like, everybody kind of is on the same sort of level of, ah, just another fucking thing we gotta deal with today. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the 50s, where men were men, where women were men, where monsters <laughs> were also men. <laughs> we're the manliest men of all. <laughs> but I also like how towards the end, um, the captain's like crew was like, "Oh no, come on, you've earned it. Go settle down with her." It's sort of like that quintessential thing in the in the fifties. It was mothers had to convince their daughters to settle down with the nice boy so that they could become a housewife and and do their respective quote unquote womanly duties. It was very much the opposite in this, and I loved it. And I found that very oddly progressive for the fifties. But if there's going to be a genre that I think to do, it'd be horror. Yeah, for the 50s, I was actually very impressed by the movie in general. I expected it to be a like I didn't. I'll, I'll be honest, going in, I didn't have very high expectations. Um, I expected to have more than one cringe moment. Um, like you, like like we discussed before about maybe something like super racist or like super sexist or something like that. But uh, there actually wasn't. I was actually very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and I to. Ryan, also to your point um, about it's just it's I think sci-fi and horror as genres are generally going to be pretty progressive when it comes to film, um, because the entire point, especially with sci-fi, is about looking ahead to see what the what the future potentially holds. So sometimes it's not always that nice, though. So I have to appreciate the things that pop up when they do. And I, to reiterate the points that have already been made, I was very, very pleasantly surprised. And uh, added to the progressiveness of the film, uh, in the original novella, there there was no female characters or characters present. Yep. Similarly with 1982's John Carpenter's The Thing, um, it was a... Are you sure? Uh, I thought there was at least one woman in The Thing. No, it was, it was an all-male uh, crew at Outpost 31. Um, and for me, like, this is like my hot take. I really didn't like the 2011 prequel slash sequel, but, um, but the, the main lead is, um, one of the scientists who is, is like, um, like a, a knockoff of Ripley from Alien. Uh, she, but she's, uh, she's the main character and she, uh, she goes through this narrative arc where she becomes like this, um, like I guess, like sort of like a half life situation where she's just a scientist, but then she, uh, through the trial by fire, she ends up like flamethrowing the the thing at the end and kicking ass. Um, but yeah, I, who's I, this I, actress? Oh, oh god. Um, what else has oh, she been in? Yeah, um, is it Elizabeth Elizabeth Mary uh, Mary, Winstead? Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Yes, yes. she was yes. Ramona. She was in Flowers. Final Destination three. Yeah, mm -hmm. she was Ramona Flowers and Scott Pilgrim vs. Correct. Oh, yes, Correct. Uh, she was Huntress in Birds of Prey. Uh, she Which I was... still haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, also, I I did not like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World's version of Ramona Flowers because it turned her into a prize to be won instead of the very separate and distinct character that she was in the original story. I have a lot of problems yeah. with that movie. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I rewatched <laughs> that movie because it's on Netflix, and I, I had really fond memories of first watching it, but now that I rewatch it again after like five or six years, like this 
doesn't it doesn't feel really comfortable like watching it it's it's not terrible like there's stuff in it that's good like the cast well the cast not the cast i think that michael Sarah is a terrible scott pilgrim um i think but it's got one of the culkin brothers in it is it yeah Why no um it? yeah uh what's his face uh kieran culkin is it's a kieran fan- okay yeah he's a fantastic wallace wells um yeah, and Dude, like the evil so exes were for the most part all pretty good. Um, Kim Pines, yeah, Chris Evans, Captain America, he was like, Brie Larson wasn't was in that movie, yeah, she, she was, she was, she was, yeah, she was, yeah, she was envy. Oh, yeah, God. Shit. God. and fucking no Superman shit. was in the movie, Brendan Ross was talking about, yeah. Anna Kendrick was Scott's sister. Yeah, Anna Kendrick remember. was Scott's sister, and Aubrey Plaza Aubrey was Plaza, one of. Yes. Like this movie has a stacked I'm, I'm cast. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good cast. It's, I'm just sad that the. I'm just sad that it wasn't like super faithful. Well, to as someone who didn't read the graphic novel, I kind of enjoyed it, but maybe I should read the source material to get it. I can. A, I can uh, lend those to you, dude. But the um, but like it's not a bad movie, but compared to the graphic novel, it just kind of melts a little bit in comparison because the graphic novel makes a very distinct purpose of saying Ramona Flowers is her own character who has, who undergoes her own arc, yes. who does her own things, who is independent of both Scott and Gideon and comes to understand and value herself as a person. In the movie, at the end of the day, she's literally under mind control and is a prize to be won by Scott. And the, the movie version of Scott, he's just not a likable character. Like, he <laughs> It's yeah, just, I I found myself really hard. I, to, like, I think Scott took him in Yeah, I mean Scott in the books is pretty much a big dick too. But part of his arc in the books is understand is understanding how he's treated people very poorly and making up for his faults. They have like one brief scene where he kind of does that, but he doesn't have a real an act a moment of self actualization or realization compared to the story. But we have you are no longer young Neil. You are now Neil. yeah <laughs> Neil. <laughs> <gasps> but we've gotten way off topic here. <laughs> it's okay. We love tangents. <laughs> it's fine. It happens. It's all right. It's all good. Um, Left for Dread, the feminist podcast. No, I'm, dude, I'm... I could go on and on about the problems I have with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we are we teaming up once again to start a movie podcast? Because I would love that. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, the Chris's complain about. <laughs> yeah, it's the called Chris's. the Chris's. Yes! Yeah, the Chris's complain. We are Chris. Yeah. We are Legion. Yeah. Boop, boop. <laughs> Oh my well, god! Uh, back to the thing. What was everyone's favorite mo- uh, favorite moment from the film? Oh, okay. So I'll go first. My favorite moment was um, at the very end, where <laughs> this the scientist guy comes out and he's like, and he's like, no, no, it's okay. It, no, it's okay. We come in peace. And the monster just kind of looks at him and just kind of reams back and backhands him across the fucking room and like into the wall and everything. And, and I love how they, they they were giving a medical report. Like, oh, yeah, the doctor was not unconscious. He like has like a broken shoulder or something like that. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's okay. Yeah, he's okay. I like that he didn't die. To be completely yeah. honest with you, I'm very happy that he just didn't just straight up die. Well, my favorite moment uh, definitely was the gasoline scene. Like that was fucking crazy. Yeah, that one was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like he that just cool. walks in and be like, "Ah, we got him." Yeah, like looks. I can't tell how they put it on how they set him on fire in the first place, but it looked they like were throwing, they, were, they were literally throwing buckets of gasoline at him. Like they were, the the buckets were already like flamed, like the gas. 
so in that scene, they were they were preparing for a way to actually kill it, and they were trying the gas method, and they were yeah. literally taking okay, let's find all the gasoline we can find, and we are going to uh, we're gonna you know just put in these buckets, and then the monster showed up. It's like oh, guess we got to use this sooner than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah, it's but that scene was insane though. Cause, I mean, it looked like there was a dude in a suit who was who was literally having people throw buckets of fire on him. And like that, I was like, God damn, like someone is using some icy hot tonight. Am I right? Yeah. But also how about the fact that like, because the love interest, the single love interest besides science that was in this movie, science, she's, science. she won't leave the room. So he's like, all right, fine. Put this mattress up in front of you. The mattress no, she, is fucking <laughs> She the mattress is no, on fire in front of her face. And the, the, the flaming monster like attacks the mattress. Right, like, what did you think? And then they decide to turn all the lights off. I was like, but the fire. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was actually, when, when I saw that, I was thinking, is she just right, dead? exactly, exactly. And then she has happened? no problems with it. She's like, yeah, that happened. She's like, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, she like throws it off and he's like, whatever. <laughs> I'll still drink you out under the table. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that supposed to phase me? And that <laughs> is probably my favorite moment from this movie. She is my favorite part of this movie. She was very good. That's awesome. Um, my favorite movie, I, I really, or I'm sorry, my favorite moment, I still Your love. Your favorite movie is the thing, Chris. We've of course, yes. This already. That is canon. Um, I, did, I did love the 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 fire scene. Um, um, I also love the, the doctor uh, getting smacked, but I... I, it just sticks in my mind. So, like at the right at the very end of the film, um, the reporter uh, Ned Scott, he's on the radio and he gives like this short short speech. And it was in that scene where I realized, oh, this is why he's a reporter. Like he's really selling it. He's, he has like some great lines about like we fought humanity with and we like Noah's Ark. We killed the monster with an arc of lightning. Um, and it was just and like the the iconic last lines like tell the world keep watching the skies like it was really captivating i just like like where was this where was this pathos the entire movie because like the, most of the movie the reporter uh he was he's just a like, sassy bitch yeah he's he very sassy, sassy like uh he was like oh god like curse you military industrial complex for not letting me publish my story um but then uh here it was like wow where is this side i wanted i just i just want like that in-world canon uh, radio program where he's just talking, talking this, just being a master, master speaker. This, 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 this man of words. That was like, like those. That speech like really, really got to me. Like this is such a strong way to end the movie. Um, and I wish I had more of that, but I don't know. I mean, what we had was still iconic, and that that line has been constantly like honored and referenced and 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 and, and tons of other properties too so i I think that's my favorite keep watching the skies but not even that it also just goes back to the point that they don't they don't make movies like that anymore it doesn't happen and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're in a different time and and a different thing scare people now so a moment like that wouldn't have the same impact on a modern that it would have on a 50s audience. I will 
Yeah, I would say if someone if there was a movie today that came out that did something like that at the end, I would have probably exactly, my and eyes. you would have thought it was <laughs> cheesy and corny and stupid. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know whether I'd roll my eyes because part of the thing with that movie is it just fits very well with it. So like, so I saw the color out of space a few weeks ago, and the it it kind of ends with a little bit of a monologue like that. Um, and it fits narratively, tonally, it all fits. So it just has to be done well, and it has to be written well. And I think you can get away with that kind of thing. But it also sounds like that kind of ending is like an effect of the time, right? Because that ending, the way you described it, makes it, it reminds me of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, where he's like given the speech at the end, and he's all exasperated. But there's like a point, there's a message they're trying to convey. Um, and and yeah, you're right. Oh, go sorry, ahead. sorry. Go ahead, Adrian. No, I'm just saying. I think that, like, yeah, uh, Rand's right. But they don't make movies like this anymore, and it is kind of refreshing to get something out there um, that's that pointed, but also poignant. You know, Be- I think part of the thing is because it is a fundamentally hopeful movie, because mankind is able to come together and conquer it. Even the person who's like, "Hey, we shouldn't kill this thing because we have so much to learn from it," isn't doing it for any malicious reasons. He just believes in the common cause of furthering humanity's knowledge. So there's no other than the alien. There's no bad humans in the movie. And you see that in the monologue at the end where the scientist who's been trying to stop the soldiers from killing it is hurt. And the radio and the reporter basically says, yeah, this guy got hurt in the struggle and he was very brave about the whole thing. Because this movie has a fundamentally hopeful view of humanity, which is, you know, something we could use more of. And I, I, Chris, I love that you brought brought that the, the optimism and hopefulness of that movie, that which stands in stark contrast to the 1982 movie where it was very nihilistic especially at the end where uh the ending scene you have childs and mcgreedy uh after the entire complex blows up and there's like no chance of survival no like whether or not you think that mcgreedy or childs is the thing or neither of them are the thing they're still wary of each other uh and the, the scene the movie ends with them like sitting across from each other and they're like they're talking to it like i, I don't like what do we do now and like uh well we're 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 basically fucked and let's just see what happens and they just have like this grim smile laughter moment between each other and then see, it cuts the black for me i did see kind of sort of a perverse sort of hope in there in that at the end of the day they did save humanity at least for a time they're, the fact that they were sharing a drink meant that, yeah, no, it doesn't matter at this point anymore because we've destroyed the compound. While one person might have escaped in the snow, they're not getting any further. They're going to freeze to death. So there is, I think there is a sort of perverse sense of hope in there, but the rest of the movie does not have that at all. Yeah, it's like you can't trust anybody. And like you, you, gotta be, you gotta be ready to murk faces you're gonna be able to flamethrower a giant spider head that comes out uh yeah like you just gotta be on your toes like trust no one (laughs) (laughs) um so we've been talking a lot about uh, a lot uh talking a lot about how movies like this can't be made anymore or, or uh what if there's like a modern uh, reinterpretation of this, and there's this is very timely. This act, this news broke like really recently, so um, so this movie, The Thing from Another World, was based on the no- the novella 
by uh, John Campbell Jr., uh, who, who goes, goes there. there. Um, and this is like the a giant impetus for all the for all the things related or the thing related media. Now, in 2018, uh, a full like novel version uh, was discovered, uh, and I didn't know about this point. Uh, so, a Kickstarter was launched to release the entire novel called Frozen Hell. Uh, so as of like almost a month ago, news broke that Universal and Bloomhouse want to collaborate to adopt the original unpublished novel into um, uh, a new film. So it, it's kind of a remake, but not, but it's just like a new take on the thing mythos. So I want to um, get your thoughts of like, what, what could it be? Or in, in like in, in 2020, uh, is it gonna honor the thing from another world or 1982, or, or is it gonna are there gonna be any nods like, or what kind of message, what kind of tone is it gonna be hopeful, nihilistic? Like, I just want to get your t- thoughts about what a new thing from another world who goes there movie could be like in today. In like, terrible, terrible, terrible. terrible. I mean, yeah, yeah all the kind of a... all, all Sorry, the remakes, ahead. yeah, all the remakes so far have been just god awful. Like, um, I don't. Know, I don't want to think. I mean, they're just I feel like people are just mining stuff from like the that people really appreciated in the eighties. And and I could be wrong. It could be like a nice, refreshing drink that like everyone wants, and everyone's going to be super excited to be surprised by. But I just hear that kind of a news, and I'm cynical because like I've been burned by so many remakes so far. So, um. But a hundred percent, I, I'm, I'm actually happy that somebody else is saying it and not me. Um, cause I say it all the time. I can't stand remakes. I think that we're at a point where I'm sort of sick of, of remakes. I want to see more things that border along originality. And unfortunately Hollywood is at a point where they're like remakes will make money and they might not cost as much money and we'll just do that instead of investing in an original fucking idea so that's the reason why i love knives out so much last year fantastic and completely original and i am so excited for the sequel and you know who's one of the worst perpetrators of this remake nonsense that goddamn mouse that demon (laughs) Demon <laughs> not not here. No, not no, here, no, no, no. We, we, no, please. I I, I so, love So so here's the thing dogs. about that mouse. I have nothing I have no problems with that mouse. However, his Nazi scumbag of a creator would hate no, no, everything no. that Disney has no. become. Disney was very anti-Nazi. Like he literally what? Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. They literally made anti-Nazi propaganda. For the United States War Department. But but the man was an anti-Semitic. Uh, that, okay, so I know that is a myth that's been going around. Um, is it actually a myth? We're getting political. I never do this. Is it actually a myth? It is. He, from my understanding, he was really, like, don't get, like, don't get me wrong. The man wasn't, like, a John Brown sort of way ahead of his time progressive. Uh. But he wasn't nearly as anti-semitic as people like seth mcfarlane like to joke about great then uh i'm okay with it (laughs) i'm fine with it 
I think he was just a very yeah, rich businessman. Yeah, so he was, don't get me wrong, he was very anti-union, <laughs> but that was because he was a very rich businessman. You know where the rich businessman stereotype comes from, right? J.P. Morgan, the ghost of Rich Dude's past. But also, <laughs> who's probably rocking the Monopoly mustache? Yeah. I own the Walt railroad. I run these tracks. Well, the big question is: Was Walt Disney? Did he? Did he serve? Was he loyal to science? The true. I don't power? know when they. The man literally made Tomorrowland. This is true. <laughs> Epcot was supposed to be a city of the future. It was. And how and we have failed. We have failed. Well, <laughs> I don't know. The food and wine festival is pretty fucking great. So. <laughs> I'm for anything that's a food and wine festival. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the wine festival is absolutely superb. You should all go. <sighs> okay. Uh, well, that aside, you can ask Disney how he feels. Like him up. Yeah, when, when I find <laughs> <his> frozen head. <laughs> when. <laughs> Yeah, and thought out. What if Walt that movie? Yes. No, no, no. Disney wouldn't be the thing because <laughs> Disney would want you to know that it was Disney. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, you're right. Um. So I think. Um. Is there any uh last thoughts about the film before? We, I had no uh, fucking problem with this movie. It was great. No, I. I. I mean, I could keep talking about it. Like it's. As far as like a feminist interpretation goes, there's a lot to work with there. It was coming along the time of the UFO craze. There's there's just a lot. Like it's a good movie, and I would definitely recommend the audience to listen to it. Like it's just fun too. Like there's a goofy funness to it. There's suspense. There's action. There's love. There's drama. <laughs> it's got everything you need. You'll laugh. You'll <laughs> cry. Ten pounds. Yes. You, there's even healthy representations of BDSM. Woo! Nice. And nice. vegetables. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables, or they'll eat you. <laughs> and with that, we're done. That's the end of the episode. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we again, we want to thank. Uh, the members of Iron, Silver, and Salt podcast. So Chris, Will, and Adrian, this Thanks. was glad to be here. Yeah, it was yeah, so it was fantastic. Thank you for for coming to our show. Uh, where can we find yes. you Thank on you the social us. media, and where can we find your podcast? Uh, well, we have a Twitter, and uh, that's about it. Uh, you can find <laughs> us. You can find- you can find us at Iron Silver Salt on Twitter. Um, you can email us at ironsilverandsalt at gmail.com. Uh, I don't I don't trust Facebook. I know I know some of the others have pushed to get a Facebook because that's the smart thing to do, but I don't trust Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg! Zuckerberg. He's the thing. That's why oh. he always looks like he's in pain. So Will and I have dis- have figured out what Zuckerberg is. Oh dear. Oh boy. Here we oh, go. Oh yes we have. He's a reptile! Oh yes we have. No, he, he's a mole. He's a what? He's a mold that has grown from the bottom of Facebook. That, oh, that goes through several stages. So there's the mold stage, there's the amphibian stage, and yeah, that's why he looks the way he does. Like he's uh, constantly in pain. Yeah, because you, you know he's exposed is to direct Zuckerberg sunlight. Going to be like the next subject of your next episode? How how to destroy? How to defeat the Mark Zuckerberg? No, uh, no, nah, not gonna be Zuckerberg. Um. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll let you know Excellent. if you ever do an episode on the wailing woman i want it you mean la Llorena? yes i do yeah 
No. Yay! Yeah, no, we got we got a list of stuff that we got to get through. We want to we want to tackle Jason. We want to tackle Freddy. We want to tackle. Uh, Fuck Slend- yes. Slenderman would be another one oh. that would be a lot of fun to do. You you have left out one of my favorites, like, violently who, Mike- offended. Who, Michael Myers? Chucky. Chucky? Okay, Chucky, you literally... Heidi Listen, Ho- I don't mean that remake bullshit. I mean the real Chucky. Heidi Ho, officer, we had kind of a weird day. She <laughs> <laughs> yeah. took this doll and we chucked it in the wood chipper and we don't have a problem anymore, so... Yes! <laughs> he's a supernaturally possessed doll. I'm pretty sure a wood chipper wouldn't kill him. Yeah, I and mean, he's they got shoot, super they, they light him on fire and they shoot him in the first movie and that puts him down. I think a wood chipper would be more than enough. You clearly haven't seen past the first film. Well, I mean, obviously you have to do more with the chips, but... <laughs> well, well, if not a wood chipper, a bulldozer, right, Chris? I mean, yes, obviously. <laughs> it is... The, it is well, you it bulldoze the, the house. It's the superior of it. moving equipment. I don't know why this is a point of contention here. <laughs> there was that one time I stole your idea. <laughs> but... All right, uh, well, Ryan, let's uh, close this episode out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Left 4 Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left 4 Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. And don't forget, check out Iron, Silver, and Salt. Uh, we'll put all those links in our notes and listen to all the episodes, especially the new crossover episode. They'll be dropping. That'll be episode 10. Listen to it or the super carrot will get you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, don't forget, stay dreadful. <laughs> I love that you fade yourself out, even though I do <laughs> every single time I edit the episode. It's less 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 work in post production. It's great. Okay, Craig. You're ridiculous. <laughs> oh.